How's it going, everyone? This is Jason Navarro. You're listening to Tongues Out Podcast, and let's just jump right into it. Today, I want to talk about something that I cannot wait to do once this whole pandemic disappears and we're able to go back to the lives that we were, we were, or the course of life that we were trying to do before COVID-19 became a reality in, in most of our lives. I take it very serious. Um, I've actually been cooped up inside my house, me, my wife, and my daughter since I want to say at the very end of March, like around March 20th, <clears throat> my wife has the liberty of, of working from home and, and, um, one of my jobs that I was doing, uh, pretty much furloughed me because they're just, the the industry was just shutting down here in Las Vegas. And because of that, um, I made a commitment to myself that I was not, I was, if I was going to be forced to, you know, be inside and just make focus on making sources of income from other areas, I'm going to go ahead and just do that from home. And, you know, I told my wife that I won't be going out into public areas, r- running the risk of me getting this disease because just for our newborn daughter, it's just very, uh, very dangerous for her to be contracting something like this. She's still too young to to be able to handle a disease like this, even though they say that uh, young kids don't really tend to show bad symptoms. It's not something I'm, I'm willing to roll a die on. And so actually when my daughter was two, two and a half months old, I had gotten sick. I had a cold or who knows what I had. I mean, honestly, I, I had something that felt really worse than a common cold, but I'm not going to claim that I had COVID-19 because... I would have to go get antibody tested and I'm not just, I'm not willing to just go and just get tested right now to, to find out if I had it or not. I, it's not important to me. Um, but essentially for a week and a half and it was perfect timing because my mom had come from Florida to, it was around Valentine's day. Actually. Uh, my mom had come here to just spend time with my, with my daughter, with her granddaughter. And it was like the day she arrived was the, the, the night of that night, I started to feel a little ill and I took it so serious, not knowing what I had, not knowing what COVID-19 was at the time. I, I mean, it was heard about in the news that there was this cor- coronavirus that was infecting China. I mean, as early as January that I was reading on the news, but uh, it was just, there was no thought that it was ever going to be, you know, transmissible like it, like now retroactively looking back at it. And so not even knowing that fact, I took me being sick very serious and I self-isolated myself for a week. My mom tried to interact with me. My wife tried to interact with me and I told them, stay away from me, like in the nicest way possible. I was like, let me just, but the whole, like I live in a two-story house, the whole bottom floor, I was just staying, brought an air mattress down there or I had a bed down there. Um... And yeah, I just, you know, uh, I cooked when everyone else was done cooking, made sure to like sanitize everything because I didn't want uh, like my mom or my wife to get sick because then at that point it, it would have been almost impossible to, to take care of my daughter because you need 24 hour care, you know, for a newborn, pretty much you have to feed them every three hours. And if I'm sick, then my mom being here was perfect timing because she could fill the times that I normally would have been awake to take care of Luna. And so, 
you know, I was sick for a week and then my mom, <laughs> literally the day that she was leaving, I finally was feeling a lot better and I couldn't be more grateful for what she had did um, that week, pretty much just replacing me as, as a parent and helping take care of Luna. But yeah, I, I, and it felt weird too, because I probably saw my daughter maybe twice in that course of weeks or in that course of the week. And it was only because I had to go upstairs to get something from another room. And I just happened to see her through like the hallway that led to our room, but I didn't even like go into the room at all. I didn't even run the risk of doing any of that. And so it was weird after a week seeing my daughter, I felt like a part of me I was missing for so long. I was able to see her again, but what I want to talk about is essentially a good segue is one of the things like what I was going to discuss about at the beginning of this podcast is that um, when all of this is done, at least when it is safe to get out, go outside, one of the first things I want to do with my wife and my daughter is just travel. I want to take them to a lot of different destinations. Um, first to go visit the rest of my family in Florida and just do like a tour through, throughout the whole West Coast. And I really just want to bring her to different areas, get some fresh air. And I mean, we go outside, we have a, we have a backyard at our house. We go outside to get some vitamin D, but it's not the same. It's not the same as like going out. And the only other times she she leaves is when she has to go to her pediatrician appointments. And so, I mean, we've, I've probably left this house in the last three and a half months, probably three times. (laughs) So crazy to think about, but uh, like I said, I'm taking it that serious, but I come from a world where I've been fortunate enough from a very young age to travel a lot, you know, internationally and domestically here in the United States. And it was one of the things that my stepdad really um, instilled in me. And one of the things I, I appreciated as a grown up, as a kid and, and taken to heart as I got older was, you know, the best thing you could ever do in life is to travel, is to just get out whenever you can and just travel as much as you can. And so I made it a life goal to every single year, at least travel to two new destinations I've never been to, whether that be a new state, a new city in a new state or, or in a previous state that I've been to or a new country. Countries were always my favorite because I just love seeing differences in culture. And I could see the reason why I was taught that because you don't become, um, you don't value what you have in life until you live in the shoes, the daily life of others. And I don't like to do the tourism stuff. Like when I travel, especially in recent times, I don't like to travel and do touristy things unless like I know that some of the tourist stuff is like really, it's like a once in a lifetime thing that you have to see in this specific area. Then I'll, then I'll do it. But most of the time I try to go about doing the living of what it's like to live in an area and and talk to locals and get to know them as well. Because you really get to appreciate a little bit more about what you have here in America. And I think the best story I can tell about that is like when I moved to Colombia for two years, um, I changed, I went from like one lifestyle to another. It was like completely black and white. I went from a life where I was, making great money, um, working tons of hours, living in a, in a beautiful area in, in downtown Orlando and pretty much able to do whatever I wanted to do. And I went from that lifestyle to a country where I had no work. 
I had um, all the free time in the world. I had pretty much nothing, barely any friends, barely any family, or I mean, I had a lot of family from my mom's side because my mom's from Colombia, but not like close, close family. Just my grandparents, my aunt, uncle, and my cousins were the only family I really knew of out there. And barely any friends. I maybe had like two people I knew from Colombia when I, when I went there. And so living out there was just eye opening. You know, I went from like having a car driving whenever I wanted to, to taking public transportation. And I went from like having like the conveniences. I remember (laughs) the first place I lived was in a Bogota and we lived there for just uh, a month. Me and my brother before my best friends had arrived because they were uh, the plan was to go through South America and backpack all around the country or around the country and the continent of South America and then to travel to uh, other parts of the world. Pretty much. We wanted to do like a backpacking trip for a couple of years. It didn't turn out. And eventually um, my best friends, if they're willing to, to get on the podcast, maybe they can talk a little bit more about what happened, but I'm not going to out of disrespect. I'm just not going to bring up the reasons why, but um, you know, eventually those plans had to be dropped and I could have came back to the States, but I chose to ultimately stay in Colombia after about having already lived there for six months. But our first month there, me and my brother, we had rented a place that was in a very poor area of Bogota. It's an area called Suba. And there's some, uh, there's nice parts of Suba, uh, but essentially it's like a neighborhood outside of the, like the main, main city it's still a big area. It's like almost like going from New York city to Chicago. Almost it's a, it's a pretty big area still. And in that area, there's a lot of poor poorness and uh, some good, some small pockets of like rich areas. But where we lived was literally (laughs) in a very, like most of the time, if you were uh, an American, just like if you could be picked up that you were an American, would have been the most dangerous place to be for sure. Uh, but me and my brother lived there. Um, it was a, it was a two story building. We had, uh, pretty much the only amenities we had was electricity and running water. We didn't have internet, but luckily we had cell phone coverage. So we used tethering out there. Uh, we used, uh, like I already know how, how it works when you travel. I always bring an unlocked phone with me and uh i always bring two phones one phone i keep it somewhere safe in case i get my other phone stolen i always keep like my documents and everything in a safe area as well and i always make sure that the two phones i bring with me always are unlocked devices and the reason why is because the first thing i do when i go to a new country if i'm planning on staying there for more than a couple weeks is that i get a a prepaid sim card from that country so i don't you know get charged a thousand dollars (laughs) to use my own service in a different country um, so yeah, so I, uh, I went and got local, uh, internet, like a uh, cell phone coverage from a company called Movistar. There's like different cell phone providers out there. They're not, obviously they're not like American companies, but they, and it's funny how they do things too. Out there in Colombia, you pay, you get pretty much, um, unlimited talk or you get like so much talk time you don't get any text messaging because most of the time in in international countries, they don't pay for text messaging because a lot of countries charge a lot or a lot of businesses charge a lot for texting. So a lot of people just use WhatsApp. And if you're not familiar with WhatsApp, essentially it's just, uh, it's just texting, but it's through data instead of using your, uh, 
SMS. Like SMS is through your cell phone's uh, voice plan pretty much. And so, you know, I just got normal coverage. I made sure to get a huge data plan so I could just WhatsApp whenever I wanted to. And so I could tether as well because I needed internet. And so that was the most important thing to me. Also, you got to make sure when you bring an internet uh, unlocked phone, you got to make sure that it's compatible with the services in that country. Most of the time, it's just very safe for you to just get a GSM-based phone. So what I mean is no phones from Verizon or Sprint, really. Don't use those. They're not going to work. Some some of the newer phones might work, but it's just a pain in the ass to deal with it. So it's just better to just get like an unlocked uh, T-Mobile or AT&T phone than just bring that with you. But... Um, yeah, so we had internet, but only through our cell phone service and for an entire month, we didn't even figure out until like the last day that we were leaving this place because we were only living here temporarily because we knew we didn't want to stay in Bogota. No, nothing against Bogota. It's where my majority of my family's from. It's where my mom's from. It's the capital of Colombia. If you ever go to Colombia, it's the most beautiful country to ever go visit. The people are great. The food is phenomenal. It's super cheap. Um, like at least for an American to go out there, it's super cheap and, uh, it's the most biodiverse country in the world. Literally has oceans, deserts, mountains, forests, uh, plains, literally whatever you're, whatever you're into snow, it has it all pretty much. And Bogota sits about 10,000 feet up in the air and it's up in a, it's in a, like a little valley up in a mountain range pretty much. And uh, supposedly uh, for pilots is actually one of the mo- most like one of the top most difficult cities to actually land in you have to get like special certifications to fly there which <laughs> for a lot of people that find out that fact doesn't really bring a peace of mind to them when they're flying into there but i i travel like i said I, i've traveled so much i like i've had so many traveling experiences i've had a a, a twin engine plane one of my engines uh went out and that was traveling to dallas one time that was a crazy experience I've gone through so much turbulence, especially going to Bogota is very turbulent over there. Um, but yeah, no offense to it, but Bogota, the best way to describe Bogota is like New York City, but with the weather of um, the United Kingdom, like it's constantly drizzling over there. It's not like heavy rain. It might have like small batches of heavy rain sometimes, but it's just constantly drizzling. There's maybe a small window during the summer where it's like, sunny out but most of the time you're always walking out with an umbrella in Bogota and it's it's not for me I'm not a big fan of like the big big cities I enjoy them but not with that weather like if it was like a big city with like some better weather for sure um so I knew immediately that we were going to be either going to Medellin or Santa Marta and like I said the plan was to just kind of live in in Colombia for a little bit and so we weren't looking to just book out hotels for a month we being that I have dual nationality to Colombia, I'm able to rent for an X amount of time out there if, I, if I'm able to find a place to live in. So the idea was for us to you know, put my, put my name and my brother's name on a lease for like a temporary lease, like a month to month, and move somewhere. Well, we also were budgeting for a backpacking trip, so we didn't want to overspend as well. We had a good amount of money that we had saved up. And we were trying to use, you know, trying to take this money as long as we can without having to like worry about getting like temporary work or whatever. And so we, we go out there, I find a great place, uh, or sorry. So the, the decision was either to pick either Medellin, 
Medellin, Medellin, Medellin. It's like where I wanted to go. But my aunt actually came up with a really good idea. She was like, have you ever heard of Santa Marta? And I was like, I've never heard of that area. And she was like, well, it's on the coast, like Cartagena. It's like three hours east of Cartagena. It's close to Venezuela's border. It's very cheap out there, and it's super nice. If you find uh, There's a nice area called Rodadero that if you go there, um, it's very nice. It's like five minutes, ten minutes of a drive outside of Santa Marta, and there's so much stuff to do out there. And I was like, you know, being from Florida, I told my friends that were from Florida as well, and they were like, yeah, let's go there. Oh, my God, the beach? That sounds way better than Medellin. And I was like, well, I mean, you guys haven't been to Medellin. Like, Medellin's, like, really great. And they were like, no, let's go to a beach area. And I was like, darn it. Okay, fine. It was like a vote out of all four of us. And it was like three to one. I was the only one that voted for Medellin. But actually, I enjoyed the fact that we went to Santa Marta after the fact because, man, it was a wild story. I, I have to do an entire, like, podcast just on Santa Marta. But um, we go out there. It's, it's crazy. It's a backpacker capital of Colombia. There's so many people that go out there. And... A lot of stuff happens in a month and a half. After that, like um, the personal stuff happens with my friends and my brother. They all go back to the States. I chose to stay in Colombia. I was like, you know, I'm only given this opportunity once in life. And I already sold everything I had in, a, in the States. I already quit my jobs. And so I'm going to make this last as long as possible. And honestly, I would still be living there now. It's just that financially, it didn't make sense for me to be making Colombian money when I could just come back to the States and make a bajillion dollars and just go back. Eventually, I would like to live in Colombia again for for a little bit or have like a six months here, six months there kind of plan. That's like what me and my wife are working towards right now. Um, but anyways, we uh, I, so I go back to Bogota to kind of, I leave Santa Marta, go back to Bogota because again, a lot of my family's out there. I'm trying to figure out like my, my whole plan about what I'm going to do in Colombia. And I know like if I'm planning on staying there for a bit, I need to start looking for employment because I can't just live off savings forever if I want to have like my own place and not live with family. And so I moved to Bogota and I'm staying with my aunt and my cousins and they have a, a beautiful, like where my family grew up, it's like a rich, rich area of, of Bogota. It's like, and they uh, they break up the areas of, of Colombia in zones called Estratas from Estrata 6 or 6 all the way to Estrata 1. And the, so 1 is like a, a very impoverished area and 6 is like a very rich area. And so the reason why they break these areas up in zones is because utilities and bills and like your financing is a lot cheaper depending on where you are. So you pay a higher tax and a higher premium for your utilities if you live in a richer area. And if you live in a poorer area, you don't pay as much to live pretty much. And so that's why they do that. And so where my parent, where my family pretty much lived was Estrata 5 or Cinco. And so it was a, a fairly nice, nice area. And so I was there for a bit. And then uh, I eventually wanted to kind of move and do my own thing. And I, in between, like when I was living with my, with my aunt, I landed a job with an English teaching company. Uh, called English uh, English DC, and it was ran by uh, a good friend of mine. His name is Oliver. Him and his business partner. I'm already forgetting his business partner's name. <laughs> I can't believe that guy was the one that actually interviewed me. But um, uh, Oliver was from the UK, and then his business partner was from America, and they founded this uh, English teaching business to teach um, 
executives and 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 pretty much like entrepreneurs and and people that really require to know English, not kids, but more adults needing to learn English so they could get more advanced in their occupations. Because if you knew English in Colombia, it was like it put you above the rest of your your coworkers, and so you could deal with a lot more international relations, especially like American um, trade. And so it was great. I got to meet like a ton of like influential people in Colombia through working at this company. I taught at like big, big law firms. I had like a whole bunch of lawyers that would teach. And it was just great just understanding like the dynamics. And it, it, it was super handy too. I was able to like ask a lot of questions about like business out there and just able to pick a lot of in, like people's brains that if I were to just have just gone directly commoner and worked my way up, it would have just been so hard. The unfortunate thing in, in South America, I, actually, it's everywhere. Technically, it's even here. But there's a very big divide between the rich and the poor. There's a huge uh, wage gap in between both of them. It's like Colombia is finally getting a middle class, but it's just starting to become a thing because for a long time, it, it was just like family money really f- went a long way in that country. Um, so if you started very poor, it is almost... If you were born into poverty, it's very difficult to come out of it. But it's getting better now. Like it's like I said, the middle class is starting to become a thing, so it's not that as difficult. But real estate's just so expensive in Colombia, which I will have to do like another podcast on as well. But when I was living out there, um, I I um, I had to save up money. Like when I was teaching English, it was good pay, but still, I wasn't going to be able to like. I had to like move up technically in, in the organization to be able to afford the things I wanted to afford, like really, really have my own place. Well, um, Oliver, who was one of the, the owners of this business, he was needing a roommate because his business partner was moving back to the States because he was about to have a kid with his wife. And he was like, you know, me and him bonded really quickly. And he was like, you know, I have an extra, I have like multiple different bedrooms, but you know, if you're needing a place, you talked about how you wanted to look for your own place. You can live with me. And I was like, Sure. And I was like, where do you live? He was like, Supa. I was like, oh, oh my God, that's funny. Like I, when I first moved to Bogota, I lived in Supa. He was like, really? He was like, what part? And I was like, Supa Sard. He was like, oh my God, how did you live out there? I was like, well, I mean, I, I kind of look Colombian. <laughs> and he laughed. He was like, no, I live in a different part of Supa, like a, a nicer a nicer area of Supa. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Not that I wouldn't live with him if he lived in Supa Sard. Like I've done it once, I'll do it again. Like I don't really care about that stuff. Um the people that uh, show that they're afraid when they're walking around, like people, I used to be told by like even my parents, like don't walk around with like nice watches, don't walk around with like a nice bag in Colombia, or you're definitely gonna get robbed. And um, I I've only been robbed once in Colombia, and it was by the police out there. That's a crazy story. I'll have to talk about in my Santa Marta talk uh, podcast. But it was a crazy and scary night for sure. But Outside of that, I had a one other situation. I was on a bus with my wife, and I had my cell phone. I guess I had left it. Uh, it was, like, in my pocket, but my pocket was, like, easy ac- accessible. And as I was leaving uh, to exit off this bus at our stop, I looked behind me, and I saw my phone on, like, I saw, like, it was just the perfect timing. I turned around, and I saw someone putting my phone, like, underneath their jacket. And I'm with my wife and her brother, and we're about to exit off the bus and you're not supposed to do this. This could lead into like really a bad situation. I should have just let the guy take my phone. But it's just out of reaction, 
I turned around and I reached underneath the jacket and took the phone back. And I was like, that's my phone. And I just exited off the bus. Uh, the guy was like trying to say something to me as I was leaving. And I was like, you know, F you in Spanish pretty much. Um, but I used to walk with like a smartwatch on me. And this is, you shouldn't brag about this, by the way. It, it's really not smart to do this, but I did it anyways because my idea of someone that's uh, going to get robbed is someone that gives the impression that they're a victim. So they're constantly looking around. They're constantly looking like they have something of value on them. They're walking by themselves and, and the wrong areas. They're, uh, and they're, they're very hesitant. And they give this impression that they, there's, there's, they're very hesitant. And I feel like those are the people that get preyed on. And so when I would walk, I would just walk with a purpose, knew exactly where I was going. I wouldn't speed walk, but I would just power walk where I was going. And um, like if I knew I was going through a, a bad area, like most of the time, Colombia is super safe. You really, it's just like any other part of the world. Like if you want to go to bad areas, you can go into bad areas. And, um, but if you stay away from them, they're completely fine. They're safe as hell. The only time you would feel any kind of hesitation is just super late at night. But you shouldn't be walking around late at night anywhere, technically, especially if you're by yourself. Um, but yeah, so uh, when uh, Oliver told me he, where he lived, I was like, yeah, I'm totally down. I, I went with him to check out the place. It was really nice. And I was like, yeah, I'm in, man. Uh, let's move in together. And uh, it was convenient, too, because where he lived in Suba was there's a uh, it's, it's like a bus train system that they have out there. They have like dedicated lanes for these buses and it's a system called Transmillennial, and it's uh, very cheap and it's a quick way to kind of get from one part of Bogota because Bogota is massive. It's a huge city. There's like 12 million people that live there. It's that big. It's like the same population of Florida lives in a city. And so um, where I needed to get to for work most of the time was like in a very nice part of Bogota. So I had to go from Suba, which was outside of Bogota into Bogota and it, you, you're not going to drive. Trust me. Driving takes like two hours. It's, it's like New York traffic pretty much. It's like Washington, D.C. traffic. You're not going anywhere. And so since the Transmillennial bypasses everything because it has its own dedicated lane, it was the best way to go. But the funny thing is because it's so cheap, everyone takes the Transmillennial to get to work. And so you are – and the, as much as I love Colombians, like our culture, like our people are so nice, something about – when we get into transportation as Colombians, like everyone goes from being generous, being nice, being forgiving, being helpful, all of that's thrown out to a Royal Rumble bash pretty much. It is the most, like if you've seen those crazy videos of people like packing into like a bus, like in India or in other places, it was pretty much like that. So that was like my typical 6 a.m. morning because I had to wake up a little earlier for like my, um, my teachings. And... Yep, sure enough, like you'd make a line and as much as they would try to organize the system, it just wouldn't happen because there was only so many doors into these buses and people were trying to make sure that they get to work on time. And so the moment those doors open and I always, because I was always traveling by myself, I would always position myself at the very front. I would get in and I would take a seat and it's, they say it's not customary to take a seat. The only people that should be taking a seat is an elder, elder person or uh, a parent or a child. And everyone else kind of needs to stand. But if you stand, man, you're going to get squished. So I would always take a seat and wait until someone came up to me and told me they wanted my seat and they would look like they needed my seat. And so I didn't care how people judged me. I would go straight to the seat. 
Because, I mean, I didn't look like I was Colombian per se. I, I just, I didn't dress like your average Colombian. And my Spanish just wasn't that great as well. So I would just play the ignorant card and just get a seat. But not like six times out of 10, I would have to give up the seat for someone and go and stand up. And when you did, man, it was like you're packed elbow to elbow. Like, I don't even know. It's the worst situation thinking like if there was a COVID-19, which there is a Columbia, but they kind of shut down that bus system. But if COVID-19 was being spread during that time period, I would have been screwed. I would have easily have gotten it. And one second. I woke up this morning with like, I don't know, uh, like a drier throat than, than normal. But excuse if this podcast is affected by it. But um, I, uh, so this was my life pretty much just like living like this for, for a year and a half because for six months I was living in Santa Marta and that was like more of a luxurious lifestyle that we had. We had a, a, a house on the beach. We took like taxis everywhere. We didn't really care because it was initially like into our trip. So we knew that we had a budget, but we just kind of went ham anyways on the budgeting because, you know, the, the conversion rate was just so great we thought was good then but it's it was garbage now like we when we went there for every u.s dollar you got two thousand colombian pesos now for every u.s dollar you get almost four thousand colombian pesos and so we got wrecked hard on that conversion rate but i mean still our money went a long ways the dollar just even at two thousand pesos still goes a super long way and um but actually, because of that conversion rate, because of that $2,000 or 2,000 Colombian pesos to the dollar, that's actually one of the main reasons why I went to, went, came back to the States because that conversion rate was fine for a bit when I was making money in Colombia and sending it back to myself and, and the States. But when the US dollar started to become stronger, the uh, Colombian pesos started to get weaker. And so when I was working out there, the same amount of money that I was getting paid was becoming less and less valuable to me in American dollars. And so finally I looked to my wife, I was like, Hey, not only do I know you're going to have a great opportunity for yourself in, in the U S because you have, or you speak multiple different languages, but let's go out there. Let's check out America. Let's just give it a try. You know, you could travel there for six months. And if you like it a lot, you know, let's try to make it something permanent. And she was like, Okay, I mean, let's let's give it a try. She was willing to quit her job and do that because her job pretty much told her that she could get rehired again if she came back. So she didn't really, she wasn't really risking much, and she was living with her family, and so it wasn't as difficult of a transition for her. I mean, it was a culture shock when she came here, but um, to live out here, but it was more of. And for me as well, it wasn't a risk because I was working with my roommate and. As he was very bummed out that I was leaving, but he always told me like if I came back, I would always have my job available to me and I would always have that room for me as well. And so for either one of us, it wasn't really that big of a risk. And we just I just wanted to see because it was starting to become too costly for me to live in Colombia. And I was my opportunity cost was just becoming too expensive. So for every dollar I wasn't making in the States, it was just it was just bad. Um and of course ultimately we we stayed and we were we've been in Las Vegas ever since. And that'll be like another podcast to talk about too. But yeah, it, it was wild to go, like I said, from one extreme where I was doing really well 
and and living the the average life of a below middle class. I I could have lived middle class, but I I I was sending money to myself in the states as well. So I was like cutting into my own salary too. So I was kind of living below middle class in my expenses, and it was really cool to to go through that and um live that kind of lifestyle for a bit. But I never even oh my god like and talking about this like I I get into these tangents sometimes and they go from one part to another. Rewind all the way back to the first month that we were in Bogota with my best friends and my or waiting on my best friends with my brother. I didn't bring up the fact that uh, the thing that we didn't find out until the very last day that we were there was that we had warm water the entire time we were showering cold water and cold water in Bogota is like Antarctic freezing water. It is the worst water ever. And it wasn't until the last day we found out that we just had to turn on the the hot water. <laughs> And I felt like an idiot. Like all of us felt like idiots. I would shower and take my blow dryer that I had for styling my hair, and I would hang it over the shower to like blow hot air on me while I was taking these cold showers. It was so funny, and only to think that I didn't have to do that if I just turned on the hot water it was the stupidest thing ever. But I just figured that hot water would always be on, so I never figured to ask the person that I was renting the place out for a month. About the hot water, I was just like, "Well, it's a it's a poor area." I just assumed because it was in a poor area, it just wasn't going to have hot water. And lo and behold, I was completely wrong. And it's actually customary in a lot of Colombia to not use hot water. Like everyone kind of uses cold water. I don't know why they do that. I, I think it's probably because there's just it's an additional expense if they want to use hot water that they can't really afford. And so it is dreadful, though. Don't ever do it. But if you do ever go to Colombia, skip Bogota. Take my word on this. Go to Medellin. Spend a lot of your time in Medellin. It's gorgeous. It's called the Everlasting Spring uh, City because it's always 75 degrees Fahrenheit all year long. No humidity. It is drop-dead gorgeous of an area. The food is different for Bogota as well. It's, it's very good. Um, the people are, in my opinion, a lot nicer because like... Coming from a big city, it's the same mentality like New York. Everyone's kind of like focused on doing what they what they need to do. Medellin's more laid back. It's um, and then once you do Medellin, definitely hit the coast. Do Cartagena, Santa Marta, Barranquilla. You can really skip, but I would really do Medellin, Santa Marta, and Cartagena for sure. Those are like my three favorite areas of Colombia. And uh, going back. All of this is just talking about just how much I appreciate traveling. Like traveling has just been something I've done since I was a little kid when my mom used to take me to Columbia to visit my grandparents and my family out there. And then sometimes when she was working, she would send me and my brother by ourselves. And I brought this up in another podcast where uh, I don't know if airlines do this now, but they uh, airlines f- had this program where if a parent couldn't be with their kids, they could leave uh, their kids with a flight attendant. And the flight attendant would take them all the way from the gate or all the way from like uh, like the TSA checkpoint all the way down to their gate, stay with them, board the craft with them first. And then we were able to pretty much sit, sit wherever we wanted to. And it was cool, too, because we had like this is pre 9-11, of course, because I'm a kid. But they had this cool feature, too, where like you got to like hang out in the cockpit of, of the plane sometimes with, and talk to the pilots while their plane was flying. It was just super cool. It was really an awesome program that I wish I would have appreciated a little bit more as a kid. 
But I, I was more thinking about, oh, I'm not going to be with my friends. This sucks. And I hated Columbia when I was a kid. But, man, it's so funny that my, my parents used to tell me, you're watch, you're going to marry a Colombian when you um, when you get older. And I was like, no, I'll never marry a Colombian. I'll, I'll never go back to Colombia. Like, I hate that country. I don't want to go there. And, of course, when I'm older, man, I love that country. I, I, would, I would go there every year to go visit if I could. Um, and, of course, I, married, I met my wife out there in Colombia when I was living there. And I brought her, uh, you know, we got married. And, she, you know, now we're together and we have the most beautiful daughter as well. So I guess ultimately, you know, my, my family was right. I guess I, I did marry a Colombian and I would fall in love with Colombia. It's so funny how all that turned out. I guess they, they knew. They were like, Colombia is a great country. You just got to give it some time. If you're a kid, though, it's, it's you know, Bogota definitely is not kid-friendly. It is not kid-friendly. But Medellin and the other parts, sure. Medellin, I don't know if Santa Marta is, like, so kid-friendly. It's That also has, like, a pretty dangerous area as well <laughs> late at night. But um, anyways... I cannot look for, I cannot wait. I, I've had, I have some awesome other stories that I didn't even bring up in this podcast that I could talk about forever. I've had an all expense paid trip to Japan, first class from, from Florida to there, staying in the most expensive hotels uh, in Tokyo, Kyoto. Nag- I stayed at a Buddhist temple outside of um, Nagasaki, stayed at Nagasaki. I mean, I'm, we stayed at the peninsula, the Hilton. And that trip alone was a month there, all expense paid trip, didn't no dime out of my pocket. Life, like I'll never be able to do something like that ever again in my life until I want to, that trip costs each person there like 75 grand per person. I think the cost was and, and travel and stay and having our own interpreter, but man, it was the best trip ever. And then I've done multiple other trips. I've gone, uh, to, uh, the UK. I have my stepdad's from Scotland, so I've been to the UK, and that was an awesome trip too. And um, all through South America, and just uh, Mexico, Canada. Man, I love Canada. Canada is so gorgeous. Um, but yeah, everywhere, pretty much everywhere. Um. I have so, but I love traveling. Traveling is just so fun all through the Caribbean. And, um, it's definitely something that I, I, I can't, it's like a pet peeve of mine. I've talked to people, I don't, especially in Florida, like in Florida, I've talked to people where they've told me they've never left the state of Florida and it used to blow my mind. I was like, what, how the hell have you not traveled? I actually met someone at the nightclub I used to work at. And he was proud of it. He was like, yeah, I mean, what's the point of traveling? I was like, what's the point of traveling? You know, a lot. You get to see the world. I mean, every, there's more to see outside this this country or the state. There's like waterfalls, mountains, like people, food, culture, um, appreciation for, for what you have. Like there's so many reasons to leave. And he was like, yeah, none of that really appeals to me. And I was just like, I wanted to like. Tell him like to shut the hell up, and I, I don't know. It's that's the most vi- that's the most recent memory of talking to someone was was then. That was like three years ago. And like I said, this person was just so proud to talk about this, and I was just like, "Why are you so proud talking about this like this?" And I used to bump into a lot of people in Florida that just 
have never left the state or they didn't leave much of the southeast of the United States. And I was like, what are you guys doing? There's so much to see. And I don't know. Honestly, it, it'll never make sense to me, but you learn so much. I've met some of the most interesting people in my entire life traveling. And I love socializing with people and getting to know who they are. And man, you meet some really great people traveling. Unless you live like in a tourist area, there's never going to be an opportunity for you to meet people like this, to be honest. Like if you live in Orlando or Las Vegas or Chicago or New York, sure, you'll, you can, you could meet some interesting people because it's popular destinations for, for international people to go to. But if you don't live there, you really need to go out of your way to really travel. And it's better to travel to another country. Why go to New York when you can always go there being an American, but you never know, like if diplomacy gets tarnished between America and another country, if your passport will work. And right now, actually, well, starting two years ago and until uh, now, the dollar has been so strong. You're uh, what you're worth in other countries is like two times, three times, one and a half times. It's just it's been a great time for an American to travel right now. So if you've had that itch and if you have had already had contracted COVID-19, you don't care about COVID-19 and you want to take the precautions that you need to take, man, right now, right now is a perfect time to travel. Uh, everything's probably super cheap. I mean, most countries aren't allowing foreign travelers anyways, but if you just travel through the United States, you could do that. But I'm going to end the podcast there. I just, I really do miss traveling. It's like one of my favorite things to do. It's like, it used to be my favorite hobby and now I can't do it because of the stupid pandemic. And so I can't wait for this pandemic to end so I could just finally, you know, put my feet in places where I've never been before because we only have so many years to live or days. We don't even know when we're going to go, but like assumed years and the world is so massive. Like my stepdad has traveled all over the world. He's, he owns a, uh, an aviation, a contract aviation industry, uh, company and, um, you know, since he was a kid, he's traveled everywhere. And it's like one of his favorite hobbies is to travel. And even he hasn't traveled to every single destination. And I've always been impressed by my set that I used to have a globe in my room. And we used to play this game where I would spin the globe and I would randomly pick a spot on the globe, pick like a random country. And my stepdad would always know the capital of that country and fun facts about it. That's how well-traveled my, my stepdad was. And so... um. I was like, man, I, I can't wait to visit every single area. And I remember him telling me, like, you know, good luck with that because this world is super big. And it really is. It's This world is so small in the scale to, like, to the universe. But to us, it is so massive. And so get out there and travel if you haven't already. It's definitely worth doing. Um, but until tomorrow, guys, I will catch you guys mañana. Peace.